in together. Amen? It's exciting. That's a blessing. And I understand why they put the two ladies right here in the center, and they're smiling because it makes the guys all look a whole lot better. That's for sure. And it takes a lot to make those guys look better. But uh... All right, Isaiah chapter 6 is where we're going to be tonight. Isaiah chapter 6. And we're going to read the entire chapter just to get the, the context of, of the thing. This is the surrender of Isaiah when God called him to the ministry that God had for him. And uh, the process, what we're going to look at tonight, is the process that God took Isaiah through before he actually uh, put him out into, into ministry. The ministry that, you know, you look, at, you look at Isaiah, you look at Ezekiel, you look at Jeremiah, uh, those, are, those are three uh, prophets that God used uh, to warn Israel. You talk about, you know, David Cloud says he has a warning ministry, uh, and he does, and I, and I appreciate it very much. But, boy, you talk about a warning ministry, those three guys, uh, they, they were their entire ministry was was spent just telling Israel, "You're about to fall. You are, you're you're uh, you're in trouble. Uh, you are uh, you know you're you're uh, going to have problem after problem after problem if you don't repent and and turn to the Lord." And it wasn't necessarily a very promising type ministry. Uh, and any three of those fellows, there there weren't tremendous results that you saw, that you really saw from from any of them. But they stayed faithful, and they did that which which God had called them to do. And we're going to take a look at the process that God took Isaiah through in order to to uh, get him ready for for what He had for him. Let's all stand together, if you would. Isaiah chapter six. Let's start in verse 1 and go all the way down to the end of the chapter. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth, is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine, mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. 
Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitants, and the, the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. But yet in it shall be a, a, a tenth, and it shall return, and shall be eaten as a teal tree and as an oak, whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, I pray that you would guide and direct me as I, as I preach this message this evening. I pray, Lord, that there would be nothing that, uh, in me that would, would hinder the message tonight. But this is an important one. This is a message of, of, of uh, calling that came upon the life of Isaiah and it caused him to surrender. And Lord, may we see that we need to go through this same process that Isaiah went through in order to be used of you. God, it's a privilege to be used of you. It's a blessing to be used of you. It's not something that, uh, Lord, we need, to, that really, that any of us should be prod, have to be prodded to do because you are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords and, you, Lord, you are our Savior and you're our God. And as we saw this morning, you're the God of promises, and uh, your promises always come true. Uh, Father, uh, why in the world do we have to be prodded, and why in the world do we have to be urged to serve a God like you? Well, I believe it's because sometimes we lose sight of just exactly who you are. And help us to see very clearly tonight the God whom we serve. Pray that you'd speak to our hearts, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. All God's people said... Amen. You may be seated. You know, Isaiah was probably probably came from a, a good family. He had uh, access to the palaces of of several kings, and the the whole the whole process starts with a, with a tragedy. It starts with a death. It says, "In the year that King Uzziah died, verse one, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, in his train." filled the temple. It said that, that all of this began to take place right after King Uzziah died. Now, King Uzziah was a good king. He was a great king, but he was disciplined for disobeying God at the end of his life. And uh, it, it took the, the death of the king for, for Isaiah to get his eyes fixed on the Lord and to, to, to uh, have that have that uh, taken taken away from him, uh, so that he could he could look clearly at the Lord. Um, this is an account of of uh, Isaiah's surrender and his surrender to the ministry. And during this time, Israel was experiencing prosperity. In fact, you go to you go, and you, we're not going to read it right now, but you go to chapter chapter three and verses sixteen through twenty six. And you find all the things that God says that he's eventually going to take away from Israel. And when you, when you read down through there, you, you realize, wow, uh, they were prosperous. They were doing well. But prosperity uh, physically is not necessarily an indication of spiritual blessing. And if, if you look with me, if you go to chapter, chapter 1, just back up a second a little bit. 
And uh, look at verses 4, 5, and 6. He starts out in the very first chapter of Isaiah. He says, Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why should ye be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. In other words, it was, it was horrible. Uh, again, uh, as far as physically and as far as their prosperity and their economics, they were doing well. Now, you know what? I'm thankful that, that right now, economically, our country, is doing, our, our country is doing well. But I read this. I really was reminded, this is what America is like right now. Spiritually, we're a mess. And economically, we're doing good, and I, I'm, I'm glad for that. But don't, don't mistake the one for the other. Don't mistake this, this idea that, well, because we're doing well economically, therefore we're doing well in other areas as well, particularly matters of the heart. And, and God made it very, very clear. Yeah, you're doing well as far as you are physically prospering, but spiritually you're an absolute mess and you are sick from the, head of, the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. And... and uh, uh, God, in the middle of all of this, calls Isaiah to go and to, to minister to Israel. Now the question is, why should they listen? You know, why, why should Israel uh, listen to Isaiah? Well, because before he pronounced the woes on Israel, he confessed his own woe, he confessed his own sin, he went to God and did business with God first. Now again... Uh, just because you're right with God does not mean that they're always going to listen to your message. But you're going to be able to give the message with, with the, the power of God, with, the, with uh, God's blessings behind you, and that's exactly what happened with, with Isaiah. Um, Isaiah's, you know, the, the, the outlook for Isaiah was, was pretty bleak. But what he saw was that though an earthly king was taken down, who was helping Israel and pointing Israel until the, his last years, him in, in the right direction, uh, even though he was dethroned, God's still on the throne. God's still in control. And he saw that. It's kind of, a, kind of an interesting contrast. If you look with me in verse 1 again, in the year that King Uzziah died, in other words, King Uzziah was taken off the throne. I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. We're, we're heading into an uh, election year. It's going to be an interesting year. It's been an interesting four years, that's for sure. But you know, regardless of what the, the outcome is, there's one thing that you can absolutely rest assured about, and that is that God is going to still be on the throne no matter who wins or no matter who loses. And, uh, and that's, that's reassuring. And we need to constantly get into our hearts and minds 
the, the, the vision of the fact that, that God is on the throne and God is in control. Now, it says that, that King Uzziah died. Uh, the, the indication is that uh, Isaiah had a, a good relationship with Uzziah, and uh, yet that king, that king that led them properly and, and, and did some good things for Israel, was taken away. And, and uh, you know, bef- before God called him, he, he, pushed that, he pushed that king out of his way. I don't, I don't know if Isaiah was, was resting in that assurance of the king or what was going on. But you know what I, know? You know what I, I do know? I know that all of us have some kings in our hearts. We have some things that, that take precedence. And we need to be careful. We need to make sure that those kings are off the throne and that we very, very clearly see a vision of the fact that God is on the throne and God is the one who is always in control. Uh, what I want to look at is this three, three-step process. And I, I, love, I love in Scripture when there is a natural outline. And there's lots of them throughout the Bible. Uh, you, uh, when you look at uh, Samson as an example, uh, I heard the, the, uh, the outline back years ago. Samson uh, was uh, uh, an example of what sin does. It, it's, uh, it, it binds, it blinds, and then it does something else. And I just forgot what it was. But anyway, t- trust me, there's three things there. In, in, uh, in, in, this, in, this, in this particular case, blinds, binds, and grinds. That's what it is. Blinds, binds, and grinds. And in this case, you see the, you see the, um, uh, the outline, and it's right there in Scripture. It says, woe, low, and go. And that was the process in, the, in that order that Isaiah had to go through in order for him to be, be prepared for the ministry that God had for him. So let's take a look at those three things. Look at verse 5. It says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And the first thing that he had to go through was, was conviction of sin and repentance of that sin. And... Uh, uh, you, he, he, he actually came to that conclusion because he saw God on the throne. And uh, the vision that, he, that God showed him of him on the throne included seraphim around the throne. The thing that's interesting about that is that the only time seraphim are mentioned anywhere in Scripture. There's seraphim, there's cherubim, there's, there's angels, uh, but the only time you're going to find seraphim uh, spoken of is right here in Isaiah chapter 6. And, and God is on the throne, the seraphim are around the throne, and they're saying, holy, holy, holy. I believe that's significant because we serve a triune God. And he, they're saying, holy is the Father, holy is the Son, and holy is the Holy Spirit. Uh, God is holy, and he got a vision of that holiness. What is holiness? Well, holiness is the total absence of sin and the total presence of righteousness. It's not just the absence of sin, but it's righteousness as well as the absence of sin. Total righteousness, total absence of sin. 
And uh, in God there is no spot, and in God there is no blemish. He, he's never done an unrighteous act. He's never lied. He's never, never had a thought that was, that was wrong or ill. Uh, can, you, can you imagine what it had to be like to, to stand there and, and see that vision, see that, see that uh, uh, depiction of, of God on his throne, and in pure and complete holiness, pure and complete holiness. There's nothing like that on the face of the earth. I mean, we can't, we can't compare that with anything. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, but it's under curse. Uh, you and I are, are, are sinners. Uh, they're just, there is, there is, is no comparison to that anywhere on the earth. But Isaiah got a real, a real good look and a real good glimpse and a real good understanding of the, of the holiness of God. And God's holiness brought a consciousness to him of his sin and a conviction of his sin and also of Israel's sin. Uh, there, are, there are folks throughout Scripture that, that saw the holiness of God, and as a result of, that, of, of seeing that and understanding that, they, they, uh, it, it affected them. Keep your finger here. Go with me over to the uh, book of Job. Look at Job 42. This is right at the end of the whole ordeal that Job went through. And Job was getting a little self-righteous. And uh, I, find it, I find it interesting over in Job 30, 38. Um, Job, Job has, has just asked the Lord you know, for answers and wants to know why uh, all these things happened to him. And in Job 38 verse 1 says, The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, and his answer was question after question after question after question after question. And the questions basically pointed to, who are you? And remember, I am God. That was the whole point of the thing. But then, then you go over to Job, Job 42, and look at me in the, the first six verses. It says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, after he went through all that, 38, 39, 40, and 41, he says, Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. He saw the holiness of God, and when he did, notice what, how he responded. Verse 6, Wherefore, I have myself, and repent in dust and ashes. Uh, when he saw God's holiness, at the same time, in contrast, he saw his own sin. You look at, at uh, Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, in the New Testament, and Saul was self-righteous. Saul was a very vindictive man, and uh, and he 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 went after Christians, thinking that he's doing the will of God. And on the Damascus Road, he saw Jesus Christ, and uh, he, he saw he saw a glimpse of his holiness, and he saw a glimpse of of his glory, and uh, that caused him to be humbled. 
that caused him to see his own sin. And that caused him to trust Christ and Christ alone as a Savior. You go to the uh, book of Revelation, chapter 1, <coughs> and uh, John uh, gets some things uh, revealed to him through, through the Lord. John sees God in Revelation, chapter 1, and as soon as he saw the Lord uh, in, in, in some of his glory and in his holiness, he immediately fell at, at God's feet as dead. Why is that? Well, because when you really get a hold of how holy God is, I mean, you really get a hold of it, then it, it, it makes you realize just how wretched we are. Uh, we're comfortable around other sinners because that doesn't make us feel so bad. But when we spend time alone with God and when we, when we comprehend just a little bit and start to get a hold of a little bit of His holiness, uh, that makes us uncomfortable with our own sin, and rightfully so. Um, you know, we don't, we don't think, you know, we're so bad until we see God. I, you know, I can remember as a kid growing up, I wasn't, you know, I, I was a kid. I was, I was just normal trouble, not anything exceptional. And uh, uh, so you get to thinking, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty good kid. And then the, the night that, that, uh, that I was witness to, and I eventually trusted Christ as Savior that night, but, but uh, the thing that, that really bothered me uh, before I got saved was I started to see my sin. And I started to see where my sin was taking me, and I started to see how bad of a person I really was. The, I, I think one of the things that is absolutely ruining America is this self-esteem stuff. And it's ruining Christianity. Uh, where, where we get to thinking that, you know, we're really not so bad. Folks, we are awful. When you, com when you compare us with a holy God, we're not even close and we are wretched. We are absolutely wretched. We are absolutely sinful. We're absolutely vile. And uh, uh, God started out with, with uh, Isaiah by showing him his personal holiness so that he could get a hold of the fact that he had tremendous sin in his own life. And I believe that's the reason why you, you go, uh, when, when Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray, he said this, he said, when you pray, pray this, pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What does that mean? That just simply means God is holy. You start out with the holiness of God. And then it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Well, that's after we get a glimpse of God's holiness. We see how good God is. We see how holy God is. We see how pure He is. That's why I, I recommend, whenever you spend some time with God in prayer, start out with praising God for who He is. Start out with, with uh, rehearsing to God His purity, His holiness, um, how, how good of a God we serve. What that does is that gets our mind in the right frame, framework when we realize, wait a minute, because God is good, I can see my own sin. I can see my own faults. And that's exactly what happened here with, with Isaiah. Because he saw the holiness of God, he also saw his own sin. And it was, it was good for Isaiah to recognize 
his own sinfulness. It was good for, for him to do that. Um, it's good for us to recognize our sinfulness before God. Again, you know, we're, we're told, you know, that uh, we, we basic, <laughs> I, I, hear, I hear this, we're, we're, we basically humanity is good and it has a little flicker of good on the inside and all you have to do is fan that flame and oh it'll yeah you fan that flame and you, you'll see the wickedness uh our hearts are are wicked our thoughts are vile and until we see that until we see god's holiness we're not gonna we're not gonna really grasp a hold of our own sin Paul, Paul said this, the Apostle Paul says, For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Let me ask you something. Do you really believe that? I, I, I'm convinced that, for the most part, much of the time, we really don't believe that. Well, yeah, I know I'm a sinner, but I'm a pretty good one. <laughs> you know, no, <laughs> no, not really. Not really. And in, until, you know, I, I, don't believe, I don't believe that Isaiah was a renegade. Uh, you know, the, the um, indication is, from, from a human standpoint, um, that Isaiah was a good guy. He was a good guy. He was trying to do right. Um, but when he saw God's holiness, he saw how bad he was. And he saw how wicked he was. Um, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And the reason why we have unclean lips and the reason why our tongue is full of deadly poison is because it, it comes from an unclean heart. That's what it's tapped into. You can tell when somebody has spent some time with God because they come away different. They don't come away proud when they've really confronted their own wickedness, they've confronted their own sin, they've seen God in His holiness, they come, they come away from that time with God different. They come away humble. They come away broken. They never come away proud and cocky. Uh, God will use you if you're humble. And that was, the, that was the first step, was Him just humbling Himself before God, and he admitted his sin. He said, woe is me. Woe is a, an expression of sorrow. And, and he said that because, because he, he, he actually got a, got a glimpse and got a hold of, of the terribleness of his sin. You know, do you, um, do you, do you spend time uh, t you know, rehearsing to God uh, your sin? Do you spend time confessing to God your sin? The Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you're not going to confess what you don't see. And we're not going to see our own sin if we don't first see just how holy, just how pure, just how clean, and just how righteous our God is. You know, do, do, do we really believe? I mean, you know, we'll, we'll say it. We'll say, oh yeah, the heart's deceitful above all things. How about your heart? How about your heart? You know, do, do, you, do you see the fact that, that uh, you have a need of a Savior, you have a need of that, of that purity that comes only from God? 
So the, the, first, the first step was the step of woe, and that was sorrow about his own sin, and, he, and he, he had that sorrow because he saw God in his purity and in his holiness. He saw how, how pure and good and holy God was. Then the second, the second thing we find is the word low. Go back to Isaiah 6. And uh, if you look down in verse, in verse 6, it says, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, now the, <clears throat> Isaiah is the one who said, Woe is me. But the, the seraph is the one that said, Lo. He says, and he, said unto, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath God, uh, this hath God, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. The low uh, refers to the, the cleansing of sin. Low means, means look, see, behold, observe. And when, when Isaiah came to God and was honest with God and said, Woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips. Then God came, and without even being asked, he immediately purged him of his sin. Uh, it, it, low is an expression that, that basically says, look at this, look at this. And what he was to look at was the cleansing that God had done because he had admitted his sin. Isaiah confessed, and God cleansed, and he cleansed immediately. I, I believe that's why, why that verse, again, in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, if we're honest before God, if we agree with God on, on who we really are and what we really are, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When does he do that? Immediately. As soon as you confess it to God, as soon as you agree with God, the Bible says that God will, will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, confession is not just acknowledging sin, but agreeing with God about how bad it really is. And, and no sin is too great for God to cleanse. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord for that. makes no, no difference what you've done or how many times you've done it. God is able to cleanse us from sin. And when he cleanses, it's from all unrighteousness. The um, Bible says your, your, your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Um, cleansing takes that iniquity away. And it purges away our guilt. And it purges away our sin. Uh, we get convicted again because... God is holy and God is pure. And then we get clean because he is holy and pure. He's the only one that can do it. We can't clean up ourselves. You know, that's, that's the thing you realize at salvation. But that's not only true at salvation. That's true in the entire Christian life. You can't clean up you. Only God can clean up you. But he's, he's willing and ready to do it. And uh, only a holy God can clean us up. And cleansing always precedes service. We've got woe, we've got low, and then eventually, we'll, in just a moment, we'll take a look at go. But you have to have the recognition of sin first. You've got to have the cleansing, and only God can do that. And then you're ready 
to serve. But you're not ready to serve until you've gone through the woe, until you've gone through the low. And then the last one is, is go. <coughs> if you look with me in verse, in verse 8, Isaiah 6, <coughs> verse 8, says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, here, here am I, send me. And he said, go and tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Now, what we find here is, is God is commissioning Isaiah to, to go and be, be his messenger. But you, again, you can't go until you've admitted your sin, until you've been cleansed of your sin, and Isaiah had both those things take place. Isaiah, Isaiah saw the need. Uh, if you look in, in verse 8, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Uh, God, God didn't, how do I say this? God didn't, didn't say, You must go. He said, Who will go? And Isaiah volunteered. He says, I'll, I'll go. I'll do it. Now, understand, I, I believe with all my heart, Isaiah understood what he was saying, I'll go to. He was going, he was going to tell Israel about their sin. They didn't want to hear it. He was going to tell Israel about, about the fact that, that God was good chasing them. They didn't want to hear that either. And yet he was willing to go. The reason why he was willing to go and do a very, really, <laughs> undesirable task was because he had, he had confronted a holy God, he had admitted his sin, and he had been purged and cleansed, and now, now he was ready to do that, what, what God had called him to do. God, I'm convinced, is constantly looking for volunteers. He's constantly looking for people that are willing to go for him and willing to serve for him. Uh, why did Isaiah, why did Isaiah uh, uh, volunteer? Well, he, he saw how, how holy God was, and he saw that his holiness was huge. He saw that his own sin was huge. He saw that God, for, his forgiveness was, was, was huge in his life. And then then. Because of that, Isaiah had great gratitude. I, I believe with all my heart that, that the reason why he said, here my Lord sent me, he was just thankful for what God had just done for him. And he wanted others to be able to get in on that same blessing. Uh, you know, uh, when, a, when a person has spent time with God, when a person is humble before God, you don't have to prod that person to serve God. Uh, that, that person, when, when we're in the right frame of mind, we go to God and we say, God, where can I serve you? What more can I do for you? What more can I give to your cause? What more can I, can I uh, say at work? What more, uh, how much more can I pass out tracts? How, how much more can I do something that would give honor and glory to you because you deserve it? Proper service it uh, has to be, however, preceded by those first two steps. We've got, we've got to see God's holiness. We've got to see our own sin. And then we need to be cleansed from those things. And, 
And, and until that happens, we're not prepared and we're not ready. Before we can minister to others, we've got to allow God to minister to us. That's why it's so important for us to have personal time with God. That's why it's so important for us to be honest uh, with God about ourselves. There's a, there's a trap, I think, that we fall into as Christians. And I know I've fallen into this trap, and I'm sure you have too. You go day after day after day, and you don't really see anything you need to confess before God. If that begins to happen in your life, that ought to be... If it, in fact, honestly, if more than one day goes by and you have nothing to confess, at least you don't think you have anything to confess, there's something wrong. Honestly, I've not gone... I don't know, maybe, maybe you have. You're looking at me like, really, Pastor? Oh, man, I, I'll go day after day. No, you don't. No, you don't. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. You may not, you may not do some of the things that you're thinking, but you're thinking them. And when we think it, we cross the line. And, and it, just, it just shows our vileness and it shows our sinfulness. God, God told Isaiah that, that his ministry would bring forth few results and, and that the, the land would be ruined and that the nation would be exiled. And that's the, the verses, verses 9 through 12 explain all of that. But he did say in verse 13 that there would be a remnant and that that remnant would be reached. Uh, but he, they would be reached because he would be faithful to, to, to the, the calling that God had put upon his life. Here's, here's the, the thought I want to leave with you tonight. Have you volunteered? Have you surrendered? And before that surrender, have you come to God and said, Lord, uh, show me a glimpse of your holiness? Let me just see just how wonderful and how holy and how pure and how spotless is the God whom I serve. I'm convinced that we often get, get our eyes off of that, and when we get our eyes off of that, we start thinking that we're somebody. Uh, you know, when we, when we have attitudes toward others, when we start thinking that we're a better Christian than other people are, and we, we do this, I've done that, I'm sure you've done that as well, uh, when that begins to happen, we lose sight We've not only lost sight of our own sin, but understand we've lost sight of the holiness of God. We've, we really have lost an understanding about how pure and how righteous and how holy God is. Um, but when we see all those things and then we confess our sin before Him, then God is gracious and God is just and God is righteous and He forgives us all our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It's a three-step process. Uh, have, have, you done, have you come to God and just been honest? And then, once you've done all those things, have you come to God and said, here, my Lord, send me. You know what I find is interesting about this? You go back up to verse 8, and it says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. Do you notice God didn't give them all the particulars? You, know, you notice he didn't ask God for all the particulars. He didn't go to God and say, God, here am I, send me, but 
I, I, need, I, need, I need to have, have a, a living expense, and uh, I need to have a nice chariot to take me from place to place, and, I, you know, and, and put all these, all these particulars on. He didn't do any of those things. He just said, Lord, here I am. Here I am. This is, this is one of the reasons why when, when, we have, when we have needs here in the church and we ask folks to, to help us with those things, sometimes we're not specific. Uh, sometimes we just say we need help in children's ministries or we need help in the nursing home ministry or you know, we need help in this area or uh, that area. And uh, we don't go into particulars. Why is that? Because I, honestly, I don't want people to say, well, I'll volunteer for this, but I'm probably not going to volunteer for that. You know, when you've got the right spirit, and this is the spirit I believe that Isaiah had. He said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it because I've responded to my own woe. And then you have purged me with the low, and now I'm willing to go. Here, my Lord, send me. I have, I have no parameters around my service. Whatever you'd have me to do, I'm willing to do. That is a surrendered heart. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, my desire tonight, personally, is to have that kind of a heart. Here, here my Lord, send me. Uh, forgive me, God, for the times that I have said that, but then put parameters around it. I've said that and put exceptions to it. Uh, Lord, the truth of the matter is when we really surrender to you, there are no parameters, there are no exceptions. We'll do whatever a holy God will ask us to do because we have seen your holiness. We've seen our own sin. We've repented and confessed it and turned from it. And then, Lord, because we're humble and because we've now got a hold of some grace in our lives, because you said that you give grace to the humble. We say, here, my Lord, send me. That's the kind of attitude each and every one of us needs to have. And God, I pray that you work on our hearts uh, through what we've just read from your word. May the Spirit of God have his way in each and every one of our hearts this evening. God, as you speak to us, may we respond to you for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.